You're in the water loop. Hi, this is Travis with Waterloop. I'm a huge fan of High Sierra showerheads for many reasons, including how they are incredibly water efficient, they provide tremendous water pressure, and they're made from solid metal with no plastic parts. I also love supporting a small business that's based in the High Sierra foothills where their team designs and assembles all of the showerheads with parts from suppliers in California. This is a U.S. company. I've spent time talking with owner David Malcolm. He's concerned about the pressures facing our water resources and wants to make a difference. That's why he's focused his company on water conservation and energy efficiency. High Sierra Showerheads is exactly the type of product and company that's worth our support. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Going to talk for this episode about consumer confidence reports. These are reports that go out to drinking water customers about the state of their water. We'll dive into that a little bit more. But I've got two guests with me for this episode today. Uh, I have Shay Fabri. He is CEO and co-founder of Varuna. Thanks for coming on, Shay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I have Tim Mayle. He is Executive Director of the Environmental Policy Innovation Center. Tim, glad you could come on too. Great to be here, Travis. All right. Consumer confidence reports. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not happy about these. I, I think this is a, a real injustice to the, to the drinking water customer uh, as far as providing information to them about what's in their water. Uh, you know, and so I'm really interested to dig into this a little bit with you guys. Um, maybe, Tim, could you explain in a little more detail what is a consumer confidence report? Sure. The, the background on these starts back in the late 1990s uh, with a new requirement under the Safe Drinking Water Act for all utilities, all, all significant utilities, to annually share some information with consumers about what's in their water, what are, what are contaminants in their water. Um, those reports have evolved slightly since the 90s. Uh, they talk about um, you know, regulated contaminants, things like arsenic or lead, uh, and then some unregulated things. And um, the reports uh, tr originally were just, um, you know, documents that the utility held itself, you know, PDFs, that kind of thing. They're somewhat evolving into web-based interactive tools, but most CCRs are still a uh, really long document with really tiny font and lots of extremely technical terms. And often these just get delivered to the customer in the mail like once a year, right? Isn't that like the requirement? Is it's a, a yearly kind of update? Yep, it's a yearly update. Sometimes the data is not from that year. Sometimes the data is from previous years. Um, they're either sent in the mail to the customer or in some cases they're allowed to just basically link to the website or let customers ask for them. You know, especially small utilities, you, can, you might have to ask for your, your CCR. Okay. Uh, and let's let's talk about what a typical CCR looks like. Um, you know, 
Shay, you're a you're a, a data and visualization kind of guy. We'll we'll pull up some examples in a second. But how would you describe what a CCR <laughs> looks like? You're not, you know, you're you don't haven't spent a long time in the water sector, right? You come from more of the consumer perspective. What what's your take on what these things look like? Yeah. So um, the, the first phrase that came to mind when I first saw a CCR was. Um, this is supposed to give me confidence, uh, and it wasn't. Uh, I'm an engineer, but um, I could tell the information was being shared from the perspective of a chemist or an engineer who sort of expects everyone who sees all these lines, tiny fonts in a table to make some sense. It doesn't, for the most part. We... Um, shared it with a lot of people, the lay average consumer, and at no point have they said, I get what this does for me immediately. No. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. So let's, uh, let's, I'm going to pull up a couple on the screen here that we can take a look at. And the first one, Tim, is one that you sent me. Uh, I've got it up so our viewers can see it. What, what you described, I'm zoomed in on the table area. Uh, and I, first, one thing I notice here is it says, how do I read this table? And then the, the sentence is, it's easy. Um, <laughs> so Tim, what, what are we looking at here? And, and what are your issues with this? Yeah, this is, uh, this is Pawtucket, Rhode Island's uh, CCR. And I don't mean to pick on them because this, this kind of CCR is completely typical. But uh, you're looking at a table that lists a series of contaminants, biological and, and inorganic uh, contaminants with information on when the samples were taken, what the regulated, the, the, the MCL, the, the sort of maximum contaminant level is, you know, regulated by EPA, uh, or it could be a state limit, and then the range of results that they got through samples. Uh, at the end of each row, it, it tells you things like, was there a Safe Drinking Water Act violation? No. But mm -hmm. if you're looking at those rows, for example, you're saying I'm one of, you know, a dozen or 70 um, houses that got tested, and you're looking at a line like the lead line, which says that they tested houses that went anywhere from 0.5 to 45. And you're like, well, it looks like the limit is 15. You're telling me there's one of these houses is at 45, and the limit's 15, and it says there's no violation. I'm lost. I look at that one row, and I'm like, wait, I'm safe, but some people are over the limit. Like, how does that work? So, you know, and that's, let, again, let us sort of the simplest place to look at one of these tables, I think, because it's the most well-known. And then you go into the organic contaminants, the volatile organic contaminants, and the whole list of other things. And I just don't think most people, um, if they even see this report, I uh, get anything from yeah I you know as I as I look at that report uh, I'm pretty informed on water you know but having worked in water directly since I don't know for a dozen years um, but it takes me some focus to understand what I'm looking at right and parts per million on that and parts per billion on this and oh that one's not over the standard and I don't know what a lot of these uh, these substances are here, these, these different uh, contaminants. So uh, we can also pull up, uh, Shay, this one I think is from, uh, is actually your uh, CCR uh, mm -hmm. in Round Rock, Texas there. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you get this, uh, <laughs> why don't you describe mm -hmm. what we're looking at here? Yeah, so it's uh, sort of similar. You have um, the first couple of pages um, one thing I appreciate is that it's uh, they provided it in uh, sort of 
a format that tells you if you don't read or speak English, you can go um, find the other CCR in your language by making this phone call to this number, which I guess is a good thing. But then as you scroll down, um, you start to really get into the weeds of uh, text and then you jump to a table um, and I don't know about most people, but if you see cyanide on mm. something that's supposed to uh, be talking about your water and you just don't quite know what the numbers mean, what the um, and you know it's for a point in 2018, uh, because the 2019 version, which I will see in 2020, isn't quite out. You're, it, there's just this dissonance. I No one checks my temperature from three months ago or a year ago to determine if I'm feeling well today. So why am I looking at a, a report that is talking about 2018 or 2019 to tell me the state of my water? And that, I think, is... Apart from just the confusion in the text, there's also this this time uh, factor in the information you're getting. That um, uh, in conversations with average consumers, they're like, "Oh, why is it from a time in the past that I don't even know if I was drinking <laughs> or at home at that point?" You know, so yeah. And what's and what's the, what's happened in the intervening two years? <laughs> what's exactly. my water like now? Did this go exactly. up? Did this go down? Am I drinking exactly. more cyanide? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that in addition to the display, it's the timeliness of the information too. And if there was yeah. something that was a violation, you're yeah, you're like, wow, has have I been drinking that now since this violation? Right. And yeah, so um, what do we? know about examples of better CCRs or attempts to improve these? Um, I, before we, before we, we, we jump there, one of the things that, um, and this actually came up in um, a conversation I had with Tim and his, uh, and his um, team a few months ago, now if I remember correctly, um, what is the point of the CCR? Mm. And there's a lot of just how we used to think about things that is still playing out in in the CCR we see today. Um, uh, consumers don't pay much attention to water until there's something wrong. But the industry desires engagement and just participation by consumers because they want to, the industry wants to show the hard work it does to keep water clean. And while we had a goal for the ICC, for the CCR a while ago, we've come to a point in just consumer expectations, the life of the industry, and um, the expectations consumers have of their utility or service providers. Uh, the CCR no longer serves the needs that the consumers have. And... Um, I think better CCRs factor in the new requirements of the average consumer. So I just, um, yeah. it, this was a conversation that came up in, in the conversation with Tim a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you raised those points. That's, that's really good. And 
So, Tim, you know, you mentioned that this has kind of been out here for over 20 years, these these CCRs. And I assume, you know, you've had conversations with the drinking water sector and with different utility people about this. What's the what's the mindset or what are the opinions you hear about CCRs and why the vast majority look this way? Yeah, I think um, I think CCRs are seen as a compliance requirement. So, you know, if you think about the team that's going to handle development of this, it's going to be people focused on compliance. It's going to be the lab or the people that work with an outside lab. Uh, it's not something that's fundamentally about um, the product, right? Communicating about the product, working with the customer. If you imagine putting this report in the customer service department or the customer relations department, you know, what would they do with it, right? And I think on some of the best CCRs you see in the narrative in front of a CCR, you see a really good narrative often signed by the president or the general manager of the utility that talks about what they've been doing, how they've been investing in, in infrastructure, sort of highlights some of the, the most important pieces of the, of the testing. But the, the data itself is still, you know, is still pretty buried and looks, generally looks like this. There, there are a couple of exceptions. And just to step back on the, on the, on the sort of regulatory setting a little bit, um, in 2011 and 2012, uh, EPA did look at this, sort of re-examine the existing regs, did a bunch of public meetings, uh, including with utilities and advocates to say, hey, should we revise the, you know, the rule from the 1990s? Uh, decided not to do that, but, you know, made some recommended, you know, sort of best practices. If you look at some of that best practice stuff, they give you examples of CCRs just like the one we just looked at. Mm. Uh, and then in 2018, in, one, in another piece of federal legislation, Congress, uh, said, you know, in two years, we want you to pass a new regulation that makes CCRs easier to easier for consumers to understand. So um, you, you saw some of that feedback in the in the in the regulatory review in, the, in 2011, 2012. Congress sort of spot on identified it as a priority in 2018. And I haven't confirmed this, so I'm not sure what the, the progress is on that at EPA. But to the best of my knowledge, there's nothing that we've missed that's come out. So I think it's a it's sort of a really ready space to look at. And as, as you pointed out, Travis, Literally, I'm at, I think I'm at 100% right now of people who either say, I've never seen a CCR, or if they've seen their CCR, they have no idea what it means, right? So better, better is not very, doesn't have to be very far from where we are today to be a dramatic improvement, right? So from like 2% audience penetration, uh, just, in, just in accessing it and, you know, whatever, like near 0% uh, audience penetration in terms of understanding, like we can do a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. The bar is low. Um, <laughs> well, I, I like the point, Shay, that you made that a lot of utilities are trying to do a lot more with communicating what they do and the work that goes into to cleaning that drinking water and getting it to the house. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of movement in that area and trying to be more customer friendly. Um, yeah. So you, you would think that this is something that would, uh, you know, move up, move up further on the the line there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, to, to Tim's point, um, utilities, water utilities, and the people who work in water utilities know the work of delivering water to people. That's the work they do. Um, the, the side of the house that is required to take this um, compliance document and turn it into a a marketing, communication, even brand building um, uh, report or product for consumers to 
actually desire to see. It, it takes a whole new skill set um, and a whole rethinking of what it means that utilities who are very good at delivering water don't know how to do. Mm. So the the I I and this this is not just me saying this, but innovation in areas like this tends to come from outside of the industry. Uh, you you find, and this is why, and I'm sure we'll talk about what Tim and his uh, team are doing by opening this up to just the wider public in form of a competition. You want to borrow the brains that know how to convert this into what we hope will engage, communicate, and just create the interest in this space that um, consumers need to see. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, talk about that challenge that you mentioned, and then we can can dive into uh, some some work that's underway that I know you're involved in, and, and go from there too. So, the water data design challenge, uh, Tim, that you all have recently put out there. What's that about? Yeah, actually, I really appreciate that that uh, mention of this this project. Um, so, with support from a number of of partners, including uh, the, the Bechtel Foundation, we decided to just see if anyone out there, students or utilities or um, cognition experts, university professors, private companies, had ideas on how you could show this data table, the data table you've shown examples of, Travis, in a different way that makes the information way more accessible to the average American. Um, we're asking people to submit design ideas in any format. You know, so it could be anything from crayons and paper to an interactive website. Uh, the, it still has to be something that meets the regulatory requirements, right? So, you know, the, the, the tables are required to show if there is a, a maximum a contaminant level, you know, what that contaminant level is. So we still need to reference, you know, EPA standards in terms of how the information is shared. Um, but we're just hoping to basically bring some create, creative ideas to the table. The challenge is open now. We're taking entries through, uh, through December 1st. Uh, and have a prize pool of about $20,000 that we're going to give out to the top. You know, there's a bigger prize for the, for the best one overall and a handful of other prizes. Um, we've gotten, you know, just great interest on this uh, from people. And we're really hoping to see, as I said, a sort of diversity of applications. The, the stuff that we're really looking for, because we're not a utility, so we're not building, you know, a CCR for ourselves. What we're really hoping for are visual things that we can share, you know, with utilities, with EPA, with state agencies to say, you know, you guys, as, as Jay said, you're all, you're all not experts on this stuff. So we brought in some expert minds and look what they came up with. And is there any way to move from, you know, where you are today to something, you know, closer to this, this example or this other example or this other example? We're, we're asking the submitters, basically, it's pretty, pretty consistent for prize competitions like this to, you know, to give us the rights to show, basically to show visuals of their submissions. And that's our goal is just really to have a, you know, a visual representation of the ideas that we can then shop around and share with utilities. And, and, and the point is that, you know, the utility, you've, you've had lots of guests that talk about, you know, how strapped utilities are for resources, the, the you know, infrastructure needs are here, money is here. So it's not a blame thing in any way. It's like, let us help you by bringing in, you know, ideas, bringing in templates. That's, that's really what we're trying to do. 
you mentioned that you've had a lot of interest since you launched the launched the challenge. I've seen it on social media, getting getting good traction and and a, and a great reaction where people think, yes, I want I want I want this to succeed for good things to come out of it. What are you hearing from utilities themselves from the from the drinking water sector? Are are there people that are looking forward to getting ideas? Um, what we've mostly heard from so far is utilities who want to submit entries themselves, ah. which is great. You know, so we've got three or four, um, that I think that have, that have confirmed that they want to submit something and, and not all of them, of course, are calling us and in many ways. It's better if it's just, you know, organic, uh, feedback. So, so we're excited that some utilities are motivated enough by this, that they actually want to, you know, want to submit either what they have now, uh, maybe it's great and we haven't seen it, um, or they're, they're actually trying to do something internally that maybe they haven't shared yet. And this competition is a way to daylight some, you know, some internal work that just has been, you know, percolating, but hasn't, hasn't made it out. So I'm excited to see what utilities themselves, you know, submit in this process. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well, for sure. Uh, Shay, so this is kind of your wheelhouse, right? The data visualization and so forth. Um, could you talk a little bit about the possibilities that are out there to take this, you know, 1998 style <laughs> uh, chart and, and bring it into, you know, the, the 2020 decade? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on some work I'd done on the power side. And I mentioned this. Um, uh, so I spent, spent about 16 years or so on the power utility side of the industry. And it, it's sort of been this progression from the back end. I used to be an operations engineer for a power plant and then moved to building technology and then started a company that was a retail electricity marketplace for end-use consumers. And that website really was all about visualization of information, hierarchy of information. And the work we did then was convert the electricity bill into an interactive, um, visually and easily understandable document for people as they made a decision whether to go for clean energy or reduce the price of the power they were uh, buying. Uh, uh, fast forward to when we started Varuna. And while the CCR is not like our core product at Varuna, it ended up being one of those things that harking back to the experience on the, on the power side, um, our firm belief is that when consumers understand things like the CCR, their engagement and willingness to pay for the product that is water will go up. Water systems will have more money from people paying. And even at some point when they increase the price, people will understand why. And consequently, the utilities will have more money to do the work they're doing. And it's this sort of upward moving positive loop of value, all from allowing people to understand the CCR. So we decided to redesign the CCR. Um, we came up with this ICCR and um, we, we tried to maintain some of the EPA requirements uh, as, as Tim mentioned. What we, what we do know and some of the sort of Innovation, someone, I was listening to something earlier today. Innovation is, 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 a, is about making mistakes 
mm-hmm. or pushing against the bounds you already know. And the bounds of the EPA regulations or requirements for the current CCR need to be pushed a little. Mm-hmm. Hence, the approach we've taken. It's bright, it's colorful, it's interactive, and in some cases where it's possible, it should be fed by real-time data to, to move away from that two-year lag that I was complaining about and um, uh, surface the information, and I hope, and I'm, I'm pretty certain most of the designs you get will surface the most important information that people want to see or Mm. indicate they'd like to see. Um, I hope a lot of the people who bring designs in for this competition and whoever ends up designing or utilizing the end products of the CCRs that come out of this competition and from some commercial approaches to designing it, I hope they first sit down and chat with at least 100 consumers before we design anything. Because... We all have ideas of what it needs to be. The EPA regu- on the utility side, the EPA regulations and requirements have some idea of what it needs to be, but what do consumers want to see? And that, I think, is what needs to be the biggest innovation about designing the new, the new CCR. I, I totally love that point. Don't treat all the information equally. You know, try yeah. to try to serve the customer's needs again, yeah. Um, yeah. and how you present that. So you mentioned uh, kind of this piece that you've developed, uh, and I've got the the file here. I can kind of uh, pull it up on the screen on my end and let it play if you want to chat again about what people are are seeing. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you, it, the simplest way I can describe it is, we've taken all the data in those tables from the early CCRs you saw. And we're representing them in charts and uh, um, bars and charts that visually tell you what's going on. So the, the bar at the top, and in some cases you probably notice that it's not scale-wise, it doesn't make much sense. It's more the information you want people to take away from it. This is the... This is the MCL. We haven't hit this in the last however many months we've been capturing this information. You can know you're safe. Cyanide, If we, I don't think we have cyanide on that, but if you see a, a, a chart for cyanide, you should see that there's no bar, which means we haven't seen that in your water. So someone can say, oh, I see cyanide on this CCR, But what it's telling me visually, before I even look at the numbers, is it's either at a low enough point that I shouldn't be worried or it's not been detected in the water. And that's sort of the the bounds of innovation that we're still trying to figure out how to visually display. But um, there's still work going on. There's some research that came out um, in 20... Uh, by Jessica Evans, Adam Carpenter, and this was done, I think, a couple of years ago now, around evaluating the effectiveness of the CCR. We're taking that survey and that research 
um, taking what we've designed and the old CCR and just chatting with consumers who know nothing about this space to further improve on what we know is an improvement on the old one because we'd like to be part of that competition. It's we we actually hope on the back of the competition beyond just the money, um, some open source ideas for how to create the CCR um, comes out of this that utilities across the country can can take on. Yeah. Well, that's already a uh, what I what you just showed is already a massive <laughs> light years leap forward over the examples we showed earlier. Um, so, Tim, you know, you'll have these submissions come in in December. You'll kind of identify the best ones. You'll put those out there. You'll hope for some interest and in ad adaptation. But yeah, do you plan then to keep really pushing on this front uh, at that point? Yeah, we do. I mean, we we would happily work with with companies like Shays to you know to to make sure people know about those products. I mean, we're, we're you know we're, our our goal is to get good ideas in front of people who can use them. Um, so we'll we'll be doing that and you know meetings with with uh, utilities, so basically trying to find you know a coalition of the willing you know, utilities who want to take steps forward in this space. How can we help them? What work can we take on? What ideas can we share you know with them? Um, what do we learn through this process? Do they want somebody to has Shay just talked about sit down with consumers and you know figure out what information people people want to see? You know we would do all those things. The like you know as an advocacy group, the goals that we really care about uh, are first that particularly minority water consumers don't trust their water and they don't drink tap water. And if that's happening for water that is really trustworthy, it's a wasted expense, right? It's yes. money that can be spent on childcare or education or anything else or a new yes. or pizza, a new TV, whatever, like it's just a waste. Um, and the number of gallons that people drink is small, right? So mm. utilities aren't going to make a margin on, you know, people drinking five more gallons a day. Yeah. I don't know if you, you get either of you guys remember this, but when there used to be guidance about drinking eight glasses of water a day, oh, yeah. like I remember as a, as a teenager trying to like, God, that's a lot of water. <laughs> right. But even that, even if everybody did that, it still wouldn't make a margin difference on rates. So it can't be about like the profit piece. It has to be about this like core connection that Shay mentioned with consumers who get that this water is good. They trust it. They want it to stay that way. They're, they're reasonably happy to support, you know, some level of rate increases. Nobody seems to ever be happy about any rate increase, but maybe they're a little more tolerant, you know, rate increases. And especially for minority customers, there's a way to get at that, that issue of trust, you know, same, same city, same water supply, you know, two different populations wildly different perception over whether the stuff that comes out of the tap is something they can drink. So that's, that's what we would really like to see is products that help change that, that perception. Now, mm -hmm. obviously some water is not particularly safe. It is not particularly good. Yeah. So in you know, no way should the changes in the CCR be used to hide, you know, you know, one contaminant or two contaminants that are a problem. Um, so that's really important. It's really about sort of right sizing trust. But, you know, I love the stuff that, that Shay was talking about. You know, the other thing that it made me think of was, you know, like those factories that have the how many days since a worker's been, you know, been hurt. Right? think about that from a water perspective. How many days has it been or how many years has it been since we've had an exceedance? If utilities were testing every month, you'd have, you know, have some utilities that'd be able to say it's been a thousand months since exactly. we've had, you know, an exceedance. And consumer looks at that, they're like, okay, there's clearly, you know, it's clearly never going over this threshold. Um, so there's all these ways to share information that aren't just, you know, the numbers, the range, the, the exceedance level, a bunch of acronyms. Yeah. They just, you know, 
capture people. I, I love what you said, Jay, about, you know, there's a, like, think of the top five contaminants, right? If you ask people the name, what might be in your water? Yeah. And you just put those up top. And the, the other thing that I really, um, that I'm personally driven by, I have no idea if, uh, you know, a cognition expert or a marketer would say this, but like, tell me I'm better than six of my neighboring utilities, right? Like I live in Philadelphia. Tell me, tell me I'm better than New York city and Boston and Newark. We're like, okay, I could, I could go with that. It's, you know, maybe I don't know the contaminant levels, but I know that my water is better than theirs. And so that's another way to like to easily convey information to people in 10 seconds that, um, that could be really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah, right. I just, it's, it's a phenomenal idea because one of the things that, um, so we have uh, the Veruna is actually is in the business of putting sensors in water systems and pulling that data to help utilities run operationally. And friends and family know we have units at home. And um, a few weeks ago, some friends who are thinking of moving to um, uh, Texas from Chicago and know this is what I do, they're like, do you think your water down there is better than ours? Okay, Round Rock versus Austin. And it's questions people are already asking. Hmm. They're like, you know what? I have little kids. I want to know they're safe in all facets and water as a critical element of safety is now becoming more top of mind for people. So um, just providing that information through the tools we have, like the CCR, I love that Tim just mentioned that as a, people do run comparisons in their heads constantly. Why aren't we tapping into that to help give them some reassurance where there's a need for reassurance or trust building and clarity where they need to take action to avoid um, contamination. So I think it's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's a good point also about people starting to be more curious about their water. Um, maybe that's sparked by a lot of the big stories the past few years, obviously Flint just put people's flags up about what's in their water and, and there's other stories out there. PFAS now um, is an issue and everything. So, well, I really would love to do a follow-up episode after you get all these submissions in and sort them out and, and want to shine a light on some of them out there. Uh, I'd love to, love to catch up and do that. But uh, Tim and Shay, I really appreciate the time. And um, I, I want a new CCR. <laughs> um, and so I, I've, I've, it's bothered me for a long time. And so I was excited when I saw this being taken on. But uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. This was great. The Waterloop Podcast is brought to you by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart and stylish way to save water, energy, and money while enjoying a powerful shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. You're in the Waterloop.